0: Welcome to another Pharma Forum podcast. In this episode, I speak with Alex Despotovich, Program Lead at the Digital Medicine Society, just after the closing panel of DTX Europe in London. Alex and I discussed many topics covered by the two-day event, from the harmonisation of regulatory pathways to retaining the human element of healthcare in adoption of digital therapeutics and digital technologies, and our conversation explores breaking down barriers and the critical need for knowledge exchange as DTX become part of what might be termed blended care in the 21st century. It's a contemplative chat, and I hope one of interest. As ever, let us know if you have any comments and thank you for listening. This is Pharma Forum Web Editor Nicole Raleigh, and I am live on day two of DTX Europe in London at the BMA building. And I have with me Alex Despotovich, Programme Lead at Digital Medicine Society. And this morning, Alex, you were part of a panel, and I just want to sort of discuss the conversations had therein. That panel was called is the clinic ready for DTX? So can you tell me what you took away from being part of that?
1: Thanks for having me, Nicole. All right. um, I think the panel uh, gave us a new, another opportunity to discuss some of the barriers that we're experiencing when it comes to adoption of not only digital therapeutics as a standalone product, but adoption of digital technologies in general um, in clinical practice. And mm-hmm. I think it was, uh, we heard some... Pretty interesting thoughts from people who have tackled this issue very differently, going from building entire care pathways to embedding single point solutions into uh, established or new care pathways within different countries and environments. So that was it was interesting to see how, although different perspectives uh, sometimes offer uh, different solutions, that we all are striving to find the best place for them in in modern practice, because as, as we've grown to understand that physical medicine is now changing and uh, we are, although we are transforming into a more digital environment in which these tools are becoming um, more and more used by both patients and healthcare professionals, there is this overarching sense that how do we preserve this human element of healthcare, which uh, does tend to lose itself mm-hmm. as we become more and more embedded with, uh, with digital tools.
0: Mm -hmm. Yes, that human element was definitely um, underlined, triple underlined by Ali Hashemi of Blue Care Health. Um, And as you say, the sometimes divergent views, particularly between he and Ali Hassan of vitality perhaps, brought different perspectives, all of them valid. And I just want to pick up on your insertion of the word of infrastructure into the conversation this morning. So I was wondering if you could expand upon that.
1: So when we think about, drugs pharmaceutical drugs and that kind of or even hardware as a medical device we see this decades-long tradition of a very established way of thinking about these two types of products in healthcare they have a very solidified system of development delivery implementation and use and we are very well versed in that entire journey as patients and healthcare professionals when it comes to software as a medical device and software products in general we're still very early in understanding how are these products now a part of our healthcare system mm-hmm. and although we may have you know it might be easier that we have smartphones that we have web based products that we can all use uh, very with ease what we what ali has mentioned today in the in the conversation is that we are completely lacking a more standardized infrastructure that allows us to curate, select, identify, I acquaint with all of these different tools and the options that exist, but also how are they practically implemented in within a healthcare system? And that needs to be somewhat agnostic from country to country. Mm. So we're still very early in understanding how do we even deliver a particular product from this digital environment? Like if, uh, you know, we're, we very much know how does a ventilator or... Uh, antihypertensive drug, we know their journey from inception to market access and mm-hmm. use and recall, but we don't have any clue as to how do we build this system um, that is applicable to most environments, most healthcare environments. Mm-hmm. So that's a very interesting point that now, as we are slowly becoming um, more versed in, you know, okay, we, need, we have the evidence, we have a good product, we now need to put it into the hands of practitioners and patients. But as the number of products grows, they have to have a, uh, an ecosystem in which they operate and in which they can be evaluated. And mm-hmm. so we see countries trying to build and build their own systems. DIGA is one very good example. Mm-hmm. Fr- the, Fran- uh, the French government published a new one just recently, nice in the UK. But there is an underlying structure that needs to exist from a technical perspective that allows us to Discover for ourselves and and become more and more educated about how do we how do we look at those products in general.
0: Definitely, I, I like the um, comparison you've made there with the ventilator.
1: Uh, it's very straightforward because yeah. we, we have a conceptually it's a very known to us. It's physical that helps, mm. um, but even with an app which is becoming more and more traditional, let's say now mainstream algorithms are a different story because that. That is very abstract in thinking of many clinicians who have traditionally relied on, let's say, risk scores as a form of calculation Mm. in a very crude manner. Now that we have these new technologies, that becomes more and more conceptually difficult to accept as a part of healthcare delivery.
0: Mm. Because it's so far removed from the human?
1: Well, yes. And also because we are not able to, well, I wouldn't use the word touch it, but our, our mode of interaction is substantially different mm. than with a drug or with a dermoscope, let's say.
0: Yeah, definitely. So this um, notion of interaction, I just want to go back to something else you mentioned about not uh, viewing the physician as the end user, but bringing them in earlier. So could you tell me more about your
1: thoughts Yeah, I, uh, I don't know if this is not... I haven't heard this anyone say before, but that someone definitely has. Mm. I think the notion of an end user is a misnomer in the sense that it puts those who we are building the product for at the very end of the chain. And that's, you know, if there's an assembly line, when you build a car and then you, the driver and the potential driver is not going to be involved in the assembly yeah, because they don't have to be involved necessarily. But in healthcare, if we're building a product that is really tailored for a specific indication for a specific use, then it's very difficult to then not have input from all those people that are going to use it mm. during the development process. So I think we have to, I would say, maybe it's contr- controversial to say, but we have to get rid of the notion of the end users. Mm. Um, and we have to, I don't know if there's a term, maybe they're just users, but um, having them embedded from the very beginning, and we saw two presentations today, uh, yesterday, by Christian from Simpatient who talked about How do you embed, he called it blended care, I think, Mm -hmm. uh, where you completely, the interaction between the digital therapeutic and the clinician is kind of constant. But the backbone to that is they went straight to the most skilled experts in the field of their disease area. Mm -hmm. They built it with them, co-developed, let's say, Mm -hmm. and then they delivered it as as a service or as a product. And that completely changes how that product is perceived by those end users um, and by patients as well. So mm-hmm. I think, yeah, we have to we have to think of them as integral members of our product development team. One compensatory mechanism is that we have chief medical officers, mm-hmm. we have clinical operations. We we have started to embed clinicians as team members in in departments. You know, we have design, engineering, cybersecurity, yeah. clinical evidence, that type. But I would go so far as to say that you would have to have, like, an end user, end user doesn't mean using the word again. Yeah. You have to have a user department. Mm-hmm. Customer success is maybe one option, yeah. uh, but you have to have those people representing the live experience as you're building it from the very beginning. Yeah.
0: So, a sort of collaborative effort.
1: Yeah. From- you often see startups collaborating with patient advocacy groups mm-hmm. or with uh, medical societies often. To, to do that, or bringing in consultants or, or physicians as consultants to come in, or as KOLs, yeah. but I think it has to be more official uh, to make it work.
0: Yes. Okay. So let's um, talk about the official of it. Um, the UK, so biggest space for deployment of DTX. Um, is there anything you want to say about that? How that could sort of um, sway others to follow suit?
1: Well, the NHS is a is a it is a national treasure
0: mm-hmm, of the is. UK.
1: not, uh, And I would say primarily because its public infrastructure allows more access to people who otherwise wouldn't be able to have access in other countries like the US, for example. Mm-hmm. I think the, the public, the, the nature of, of the NHS is, and the freedom it does have on a municipal level and regional levels, allow small size smaller startups with Mm -hmm. good ideas to come and solve a particular problem that is, let's say, specific to that region or that hospital. I think that's a massive advantage compared to other countries in where you have to immediately find, you need to have a lot more money to build a pilot and deploy it within a private environment, within an environment that requires insurance, that requires other players that need to see immediate value from even the, the first pilot. But the downside is, there's a difficulty in scaling what you have achieved if a pilot is successful within, let's say, a trust uh, in the NHS, because that then needs to be for a business to survive. It needs to replicate those effects in other parts of the UK and then other countries. So the UK, I think, is by far the most fertile ground for software as medical device product mm-hmm. development. There is inevitably going to be a massive effort to sustain the outputs in a different environment like Germany mm. or France or US or let's say South America. Mm-hmm. Not only because of the regulatory implications, but the model of care and the delivery of care and the local um, challenges in modifying the product so that it fits within that system makes it a lot more challenging. Mm. It would be great if you had five countries with a system like the NHS who, are, who have... lot of people in the system and then you can grow that in that capacity.
0: Yes. Okay. Thank you for that. Um so now let's just sort of think about DTX Europe twenty twenty three overall. I know you mentioned earlier a presentation from Sastient or Sympatient, have you said? Sympatient, I think. that was on the commercial track. I was catching evidence
1: yesterday. But I've
0: heard great things about that presentation. So was that one of them that you think stood out in particular this year?
1: Yeah, I think uh, that was a, a highlight for me. In I think people not only need to see the collaboration between users or patients and physicians and people building the products. I think people also need to understand how does that process look like. Mm-hmm. And I think today it was I mentioned on a panel that oftentimes when it comes to education of physicians or even building a solution, there's always... Additional things that we need to account for or develop or do outside of what we initially uh, intended mm-hmm. in order to successfully achieve what we intended, solving the problem that we wanted in the first place. So that was one. The second one was um, by Hakim and his presentation about uh, closed loop medicine and this kind of combination. That was a, an idea that I haven't interacted with before. It's a brilliant endeavor to combine what we know. The drug delivery. World. What we don't know is how does that drug work after it's been supplemented. That's mm-hmm. been a massive issue. But his he had the same challenges uh, as Christian, and everyone had this initial realization that there are so many things we need to account for before we attempt to sell a product, and that kind of becomes an overlapping theme in all these success stories um, that we hear that we heard today and mm-hmm. yesterday. We really, you know, as much as we talk about a therapeutic effect of a device, there is a part of us that has to consider that it, it is a drug. Mm-hmm. Therapeutic is a better word, especially it ties in better with digital, mm-hmm. but it is still a drug that exerts a certain effect mm-hmm. and that effect must be very cautiously examined using certain principles that we had as the same for pharmaceutical drugs. So that was a bit you know maybe I'm kind of repeating myself a little bit, but it's, it is this overlapping theme of having the right people from the field at the beginning uh, helping us underst- fully understand the scope of the problem. because we you know we have this idea of ours, and you know I commend the founders for having the courage to take on something that, are, that they are sometimes far from and say, "I believe that there's a problem here we need to solve." Now mm-hmm. that has to be hashed out, and we heard time and time again that. Having the right people makes you better at solving. Mm.
0: And this is where the importance of policy and regulations and legals comes in, and why it is quite so complicated.
1: Yeah, and something that um, something that I wanted to mention at the panel but didn't was we often, you know, as the panel talked about education and why do why are clinicians or why are medical professionals apprehensive of adoption is one thing that we almost never talk about are the side effects. Mm-hmm. and the unintended effects of applying digital technologies. As much as we are aware that certainly they don't possess side effects compared to drugs, we're still fairly certain about what kind, of pro- what kind of side effects do pharmaceutical drugs produce. But for software, this is you know as early as we are in the process. We still need to do a better job of articulating and documenting what happens when people are misusing the product, what happens when people Um, stop using it? What are the risks associated with, you know, this is all a part of the regulatory, achieving regulatory Mm -hmm. compliance. But I think something that does bring trust to the table, especially to patients and physicians, like this is what happens when the product is not used correctly or what can go wrong. You know, people can just onboard off the app and nothing's going to happen, but we don't know the effects of that. We don't know what happens if it's a mental health app and people just stop using it, Mm -hmm. or if it's a, Drug adherence app for an infectious disease or an acute disease. Yeah, um, we. Do, I think that is a part of the industry that needs to grow. It's the same thing with reporting trials for drug efficacy. Mm-hmm. You know, the trials of uh, reporting the positive effects are published, but the trials publishing the negative results are rarely there. So I think that's something we need to uh, also be better at.
0: Okay. Yes. Thank you for that. Okay. So now to sort of. Come to a close on this closing day of DTX Europe. You've mentioned closed loop medicine, you've mentioned Sympatient. For you, um, is there a key takeaway from the event overall? Whether that be a certain company presentation or whether it be a notion, perhaps from the final panel
1: that we just I think this conference. Although already carrying a lot of different perspectives into what a digital therapeutic is and where does the industry go, I think what we would benefit a lot is if, for example, our panel discussion is mixed with people who have to, if we talk about why are clinicians so apprehensive, to have clinicians on the panel saying, why are they so apprehensive? Mm -hmm. I think the natural progression of an event like this is to get people I don't want to say on the other side, but I would, I would rather say those later in the chain mm-hmm. who actually are the ones we always talk about and try to get to. So that was, you know, and I heard certain people, we heard the session, um, today was an NHS session, I think, mm-hmm. uh, discussing diabetes programs yeah. in the UK. I think having those conversations at the same time within a, se- within a panel discussion or within a, a, a workshop is is something that I've realized is a, would be a great next step in getting us closer to understanding these challenges. The first session with um, of the day yesterday was the harmonization of regulatory, yeah. and we had representatives from different countries mm-hmm. discussing their own paths, which is a great way to understand the differences, mm-hmm. but also an opportunity to learn from each other and how to optimize those pathways. So I think that's my key takeaway: is more stakeholders from additional, um, from those departments in which we're actually trying to deploy solutions in is, uh, would be fantastic.
0: Yeah, so breaking down the barriers, sharing, transparency.
1: Knowledge exchange.
0: Yes, exactly, the learnings across
1: the whole spectrum. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Brilliant. Okay, well, thank you for your time, Alex. It's been a pleasure speaking with you.
1: Likewise. And take care. Thank you, bye-bye.
0: And so that concludes this episode of the Mini Farmer Forum podcast. You can find more information about this episode, including a download link and information about previous installments and the main Farm Forum podcast series at farmerforum.com forward slash podcasts. The Mini Farmer Forum podcast is also available on iTunes, Spotify, Acast, Stitcher and Podbean, where you can find and subscribe by searching for Farm Forum. Of course, don't forget to visit our website, where you can sign up for daily news and analysis bulletins as well. And follow us on Twitter at, at Pharmaforum. Well, that's all for now. Thank you for listening.